Well, that song really captures uh, the time of year uh, in the church calendar that, that we are now in. It's all about uh, knowing Jesus. It's all about living for him. Uh, it's also the time of year where many of us give something up, right? Uh, I, I don't know if you, you do this or not, uh, but uh, sometimes we give something up uh, to help us on that journey of living for Jesus. So, so let me ask you the question, are you giving anything up for Lent uh, this time of year? Let, uh, let's check out the, the text poll, uh, the results here. Did anybody? Uh, oh, uh, well, no, but I'm adding a habit. Look at you folks. You're great. Uh, it's going to be a rough few weeks. Uh, a few, oh, yeah, I got some stuff in my pocket here, too. Uh, nope, yeah, that's Lent, not Lent. Uh, but, uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad some, of, some of you are, are taking the step of sacrifice. Some of you are adding something new in this time of year. That's fantastic. The Lenten season, really, uh, for those of you maybe not so familiar with it, it's the, the time of year in the church calendar beginning on Ash Wednesday, uh, when, uh, which was just a couple days ago. Uh, when the church traditionally reflects uh, and, uh, and enters into the suffering of Jesus, uh, who set his eyes on Jerusalem where he knew that he would die a gruesome death, ultimately in order to bring us, all of humanity, into a saving relationship with God. Uh, it's a time of self-denial and of, uh, that is leading up to the cross of Good Friday, uh, 40 some days away. You know, a scripture passage that really captures the meaning of Lent can be found in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, and it's uh, one, of, one of Jesus' followers uh, right before this, uh, the, the disciple Peter, had just identified Jesus as the Messiah, the, the son of the living God. And Jesus praised Peter for his recognition of this. And, and then uh, he, Jesus told Peter that he would build his church through Peter and that, that even uh, the gates of hell, death, would not be able to prevail against his church. And immediately after that exchange, we read this from Matthew chapter 16. From that point on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, that this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And the key passage for us today and really the basis of this whole entire Lenten self-denial is found in verse 24. For Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. 
Today, uh, we are starting a brand new series uh, called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And, and last week, I, I talked briefly about uh, people's tendency. Maybe you found that it's your tendency at times to, to take uh, what I, I call a, a Bible buffet approach to the scriptures, uh, where we consume what looks good to us, what seems appealing, and then we just pass on by the things that look like it's going to be too hard to swallow. And, and, and I shared last week that ultimately when we do that, uh, all we're really doing is following a religion of our own making. And it looks different for each of us. Uh, there's no consistency to it because what looks good to me might not look good to you and, and vice versa. Um, and and uh, when we do that, we're, we're uh, making a religion of our, of our own, rejecting God's uh, consistent authority over our lives. Now, I shared this and, and many of you responded back. I was like, that's a, that is a fantastic metaphor. Um, and, and I got several messages uh, from you, and, and this was my favorite one. Uh, it, it, it was simply said this, I, I'm excited and a little bit scared uh, for this next message series. Um, I think I have been quite enjoying my Bible buffet, and I love the honesty uh, of that message. It is so true for many of us, but, but I am really encouraged, uh, really encouraged by your commitment to wrestle with the harder stuff. And, and that we're going we're gonna to be doing that these next couple of weeks, uh, where we'll be looking at a few of the tougher teachings of Jesus. Um, and I think this is the perfect place to start, because this might be the toughest one of them all. And Jesus said a lot of challenging things. Um, but none of his teachings received the kind of reaction from one of his disciples uh, the way this one did. And Peter didn't want anything to do with this suffering that Jesus was talking about. And, and I would venture that neither do we. Uh, I, I, I think we all really wish that Jesus had never said to his followers that in order to follow him, we needed to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow him. So what do we do with a tough teaching like this? Well, one, one thing that I think we oftentimes try to do um, is we try to pacify it just a little bit. Uh, surely he means that we only need to give up chocolate one time for six weeks a year, right? Uh, or or maybe, maybe a meat or candy or social media or, or screens or, or dinner. Uh, I, I sure hope you don't give up the screens and the dinner because those are quite necessary for our dinner church, uh, which takes place in St. Jacob, starting uh, a six-week stretch. Uh, it's happening tonight and for six more weeks. So uh, welcome those of you who are here for dinner church this evening. I hope the meal's good, and I hope that you didn't give up screens and dinner uh, for Lent and that you're, you're actually there. But, uh, but what, what does Jesus mean by this? deny yourself. Uh, could, could Jesus possibly mean that we're supposed to give up the good stuff of life? I, I hope not. Um, maybe Jesus really means, well, keep the good stuff, but get rid of the, the negative stuff, the bad stuff, the sinful stuff, those attitudes and behaviors. Uh, what is it that Jesus is talking about when he says that to be his followers, we have to deny ourselves? Well, in the rest of our time, uh, the teaching time this morning, I, I want to give you what I think is the, the scriptural answer 
to this important question and then spend some significant time diving into what, what does this mean practically for us and, and how can you and I uh, apply this to our lives? Uh, that's where we're going today. And, and if you uh, saw in your bulletin, you've got some message notes, I would encourage you to follow along. There are some blanks uh, for you to fill in today. I knew I'd have to keep you awake after losing an hour of sleep uh, this past night. But uh, what does Jesus mean by denying ourselves? Well, when, whenever uh, we're wrestling with Scripture and trying to interpret what Scripture means, the, the best first place to start is what, what, what is going on in the immediate context of this passage. And when we do that for this particular passage, we find out that Jesus actually answers this question that we have. Um, and he answers it in uh, what he says immediately after verse 24. And, and I read it uh, a little bit earlier, but let me read it again. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to be my follower, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And then in verse 25 and 26, he says this, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? Now, it's hard to tell from English translations here, but Jesus is actually repeating uh, the same word over and over and over again in this passage, um, uh, in verses 25 and 26. He's, he's hammering home to us the answer to this question, what does it mean to deny oneself? Uh, let, let, take a look at this, this passage on the screen uh, with, with those words that are repeated, highlighted here. Uh, see, life and soul, they're actually the same Greek word. Uh, and the, the word is uh, pronounced suhe, suhe, uh, which I've worked really hard on getting that right. Uh, uh, but but it's, it forms the, the root word of some common words in our English language, like psyche and psychology. And the, the whole idea here, I, I love the way Eugene Peterson renders the meaning of this word in the message translation of the Bible. Uh, or paraphrase of the Bible. When he, he calls life and soul here, suhe, he defi defines that as your true self. Your true self. If you try to hang on to your true self, you, you lose it. But if you give up your true self for my sake, you will find it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your true self? Is anything worth more than your true self? So here's the answer to what Jesus means by denying yourself according to this passage. Jesus is equating denying yourself with, and taking up your cross and following him with, with finding your true self. I, I think he's saying that but not, by denying yourself, you, you're, you're kind of shedding the false self and, and finding your true self in him. And really, if you see it from that angle, uh, this passage is all about um, your identity. Where do you find your identity? Uh, will you live a in your false identity or, or will you find your true identity in Christ? So in the rest of our time, I, I briefly want to walk through some ways that, that we as, as people, particularly in our, our culture, we, we tend to live out of a false identity. Uh, and, and then more importantly, some ways that we can practically shed that false identity to find our true identity, who God created us to be in Christ. 
Um, and it's fascinating to me how different cultures uh, around the world uh, emphasize uh, different ways of finding your true identity. For instance, um, in Eastern cultures or, or more traditional cultures that, uh, that are kind of community or family-based, uh, the, the path to discovering one's identity is often through um, duty and commitment to the bigger community, uh, to the, the, the bigger family. Uh, and those cultures value lowering yourself and taking on the standards and identity of the whole, of the community. Now, on the other hand, Western modern cultures equate your identity with the fulfillment of your individual desires. Uh, that is how you find yourself. Well, tell me your dreams. To, to, what, what are your aspirations? What, what are your desires? Hey, go and live them out. Find, that's how you find happiness and fulfillment. Find who you are. Uh, th this is where we find ourselves in our culture, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, that's the message we get. If you don't believe it, just watch any Disney movie. And you'll find that's follow your heart, follow, find who you really are. Um, uh, what, what's interesting to me is that Jesus' teachings uh, critique both approaches to finding your true identity in Him. I mean, Jesus, this is this is the way Jesus is. He, he's like an equal opportunity cultural critic. Um, it doesn't matter what culture you're a part of; he finds something to to say. I'm not so sure. Uh, that's not the way of my kingdom, and. Uh, uh, ours included. Uh, we would be good to remember this. Uh, we see it all the time in his teachings, but re really that's, that's a different message. But, uh, but many of us could easily get caught up in, in the false self, living out of a false identity because we've not yet really embraced our true identity in Jesus. Um, uh, right now, uh, my journey group is just beginning a, um, an eight-week study uh, called em Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, fantastic study. I would highly uh, encourage it. And, and this, this is the actual topic that the chapter uh, of the chapter that we're reading for our uh, group next week. So if you're in, in my journey group, I'm giving you some cliff notes today. Uh, but but this, this chapter teaches about three great temptations we have in our life to, uh, to live into a false self rather than living out of our true identity. And, and these, these are the, the, the three great temptations. Uh, first, uh, many of us have bought into the temptation that, that I am what I have. Uh, we'll talk about this more in a couple of weeks uh, in here. Uh, but by and large, uh, our culture has, has really bought into this lie. So, so what we do is we end up, we enter careers, that we just absolutely hate uh, because uh, it will enable us to live a lifestyle that we think we need to be living. Or, or, or we'll overextend ourselves to make a little bit more money so that we can afford the home that we think we need or the vacation that we think we deserve or, or the out-of-state tuition that our kids need in order to uh, go to a college to get a profession so that they can uh, somehow believe that they are what they have. <laughs> uh, now, the way that I just painted it is awfully harsh. I, I get that. Uh, but it's a very real pressure that many of us face in this life. The idea that, that our net worth financially is closely tied with our own self-worth, that, that what 
uh, what we experience with our, our financial well-being um, is what real life is all about. And for, for more on this, I encourage you to come back in a couple of weeks when I share about the time when Jesus said that you cannot serve both God and money. And, and, and I'll have some real practical ways in our lives that we can shed this false self that believes I am what I have. Um, uh, but closely related, there's also the temptation to believe that I am what others think. This temptation is the source of, of problems for those of us who are people pleasers. Uh, but really, uh, really, it affects all of us to some degree. You know, it's natural to want the approval of other people, isn't it? I mean, who doesn't want to be liked? Uh, I, I think we all desire that. We all long for the approval of the people around us. But, uh, but, but when we buy into the lie that we ultimately are what other people think, it ends up destroying our, our sense of who we really are, uh, our true self. We, we become what others want uh, or, or what we think other people want. A great illustration of this happened a, a couple years ago. Do you, you guys remember um, a former NBC nightly news anchor, Brian Williams? Remember Brian Williams? He still um, anchors like a uh, one of uh, NBC's really late night shows, uh, 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 like at 11 o'clock at night. I was not up that late uh, last night. But, but, but anyway, uh, Brian Williams, if you remember Brian Williams, uh, he, was, he was at the top of his career field, um, and then he lied. He lied about being in a helicopter during the Iraq war as a reporter that, was, he, he, that he said was shot down in 2003. And, and it wasn't, and it came out that he had totally fabricated this. What, what, why? What, why would he lie about that? Well, it's because he cared what others think, and he thought that if people thought that he had been shot down in a helicopter, that that would somehow increase his credibility as a reporter when, when he had already reached the pinnacle of, of his career. He, he, was, he was so into this image management and, and folks, we are too. Um, uh, whether it's a little deception uh, about, uh, that, that, that might make us look like we're a better mom than we are, or a better husband than we really are, or um, a better athlete, whatever it is. And the only difference is that he got caught on center stage. And really, this, this, this temptation uh, comes from a deep-rooted feeling ultimately, that I'm not good enough to be loved and accepted for who I really am. So I have to fabricate um, a false self. I have to manage this image so that other people see um, some, some, something else than what I really am. And, and so he, like many of us, let what others think define who we are. And that's the false self. Um, on a side note, um, in the last a few years uh, since his real fall from the pinnacle of, of the reporting career, uh, Brian Williams, it seems like he's been doing some significant self-reflection. And, and I, me personally, I'm rooting for him. Uh, I, I hope that, that he comes to a point of recognizing that, that he can be loved and accepted, not for the image that he projects, but for who he really is. And I think my hope for him is the same hope that I have for me and, and for each of us, that we can come to a point of recognizing that. But temptation number three um, is to believe that I, that I am what I do. 
Uh, this temptation is all about finding our identity and self-worth in our performance and achievements, whether it's a, a, our work or, um, uh, or, or family or school, even in what we achieve within the church for God. Uh, th this temptation leads us to feel that, that if we're successful, then, then we have greater worth. We are more worthy if we succeed and if we achieve. And, and so we're, we become driven. Um, and this, this fear of failure that accompanies this temptation is powerful. And it can lead to workaholism, um, to, to burnout. It can lead to uh, taking all kinds of shortcuts uh, to get to the top quicker. Um, it's even the reason many people have taken their own lives. When your identity is based in what you do, um, either, either positively or, or negatively. In, in other words, when, when you're achieving and when you're succeeding, you just feel great about yourself. You have a, a, an inflated view of who you really are. Or if you're failing, then you have a deflated view uh, of who you really are. Um, either way, if your identity is based in what you do, then you're living out of the false self. And, and, and really, the truth is we all are tempted and oftentimes live out of our false self rather than our true self in Christ. None of us is immune. Um, but how does denying our false self and embracing who we are in Jesus, how does that lead to our, our true identity, uh, our true self? Um, I, I want to offer up three practical applications to Jesus' command. Take, uh, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And how that ultimately leads e can lead each one of us to our true self in Christ. And, and the key can be found in, in verse 25. Uh, I, I love how, how Jesus doesn't simply say, deny yourself uh, or lose your life. He doesn't say, like, like Eastern uh, traditional cultures, do whatever your family says you should do. Um, and he doesn't say what, what we in our culture say is do, do what, what you think and feel is right. Instead, he says this in verse 25. This, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. In other words, we're not called to live out of the, the will of our family or out of our own self-centered desires. Ultimately, uh, we aren't even called to, to practice this ascetic self-denial uh, because it's the in thing to do <laughs> um, and make us look, look good in Jesus' eyes. Jesus says it's, it's about denying ourselves for him. Uh, we are to reorient our lives to follow him. And in the process of doing so, that's when we find our true self, our true identity. And, and here are three ways that we can begin to do just that. And I don't have time to go into to depth on each of these. Um, and quite honestly, I'm sure that there are more ways to deny our false self and step into our true self. But these, these are some ways. And maybe it can begin to open up doors for you to discover um, more on your own or, or in community with others. The first step uh, just like a 12-step process, is to admit who we really are. Particularly your weaknesses. 
the things that uh, you wouldn't want others to really see or to know about you, uh, and, may, and that you oftentimes will even deny to yourself. Admit who you really are, filtering out all the false identities and getting an accurate picture of yourself. It, it's about self-awareness, uh, warts and all. Uh, St. Augustine wrote, how can you draw close to God when you're far from your own self? And then he prayed, grant, Lord, that I may know myself so that I may know thee. In our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course, we were challenged with a few exercises that help us get in touch with who we really are authentically. And here are some of the exercises, suggestions. First is to really get in touch with, with your feelings. Uh, guys, this is going to be a little harder for you. Uh, but, to, but to really wrestle with how does what is going on in my everyday life, how is that really affecting me? Uh, what, what are my feelings? What, what, what is it that's happening in my life right now that is making me angry? What, what are the things that, that, that grieve me, that make me sad? Uh, what, what, what are the things that, that I'm really, when I'm honest, and I get down to really deep down that I'm afraid of. Uh, on the flip side, things like, what, what is it that, that makes me full of joy? What fills me with joy? Um, and, and this exercise really helps you to be honest about what's going on inside of you rather than to hide it and cover it up with the false self, um, with what you think you ought to be feeling. Um, it, it's about being real. It's about being authentic. Another exercise is to evaluate the beliefs that you carry, uh, particularly that have been handed off to you from your upbringing, from your family of origin, that the family that you grew up with. Uh, beliefs about money or, or sex or conflict or parenting or success, any number of topics. And when you do this, you may find that you uh, have uh, you know, patterns of behavior in your adult life that you just unknowingly just defaulted to that you just kind of carried on with you in, in, from your family of, uh, that you were raised in. And over the last several years, uh, I have done my best in an attempt to admit who I really am to wrestle with these things and, and to uh, recognize, uh, in doing so, recognize areas and patterns of my own false self and how it rears its ugly head in my life from time to time. And, and, and this this recognizing some of my own brokenness and weakness is really, it's my first step to denying myself and taking up my cross to follow Jesus. Uh, by doing that, I, I kind of, I take up my cross and I try to wear it just openly so that, so that I, I'm being authentic, I'm, I'm being real. Um, another practical step though is to consciously choose to live for an audience of one uh, find your, your own unique calling. Really, this is the antithesis of uh, believing that you are what other people think. The, the truth of the Bible is that you are loved and you are received by God for who you are, not for the things that you've done uh, or what others think. Uh, Jesus, ultimately, he, he gave himself up on the cross. He laid down his life so that we could be welcomed um, into the family of God, regardless of our image regardless of our past. And when you embrace the love that God has for you, you can begin to live for his pleasure and his purpose rather than for other people and their expectations of you. 
Um, now, one way here at Troy UMC where we try to help, um, we try to help this is by uh, providing opportunities for you to find really how, how God created you uh, for your unique calling. Uh, we offer a class called the Ministry Placement Class uh, that is a three-week course, uh, a couple hours a night for three weeks, and uh, three times, once a week for three weeks. And we're actually offering that class uh, coming up starting this week, and there's still opportunity for you to join in. We've got a handful of people already, uh, but it always makes the class better when there are uh, you know, eight to 10 people or so. So I really encourage you to, to check this out. This, is, this class is an opportunity for you to discover your, your God-given spiritual gifts, uh, some of the way God wired you and your personal style and your passions, and, and discovering how you're put together this way can really begin to help you not, not live for other people's expectations, but live into the way that God created you to, uh, uh, to use your, your gifts and your talents uh, for his glory. And if you're interested in that course, there are RSVP instructions in your message notes today. And I'm, I, I'm really praying that uh, a few of you will say, you know what, that sounds like just the next step uh, for me. Uh, but let me wrap up with one final application. And I'd say the, the hardest for last. Uh, uh, this one's hard to swallow. Denying your false self to embrace your true self really requires following Jesus even if, even if it leads to suffering. Well, when you read the, the larger passage, you find that Jesus' number one disciple, Peter, he wasn't up for this. And just a few verses before, he had, he had uh, told Jesus that he was the son of God and Jesus praised him for it. And uh, but when Jesus told him what following him really meant, uh, that it would mean suffering and rejection, Peter wanted absolutely nothing to do with it. And Jesus rebuked him more powerfully than he rebuked anybody at any time in his ministry. I mean, Jesus doesn't call anybody else Satan um, like he did Peter. I mean, Jesus was so harsh and sharp with Peter because this very temptation, the temptation for Jesus to usher in God's kingdom with power and authority rather than with humility and suffering and weakness, uh, this, this was Jesus' temptation to live out of his false self. And, and Jesus beckons us to follow him in ways in his ways, even though it will likely result in this, the same kind of countercultural life of suffering and rejection um, from the people around him that he faced. In, in his reflections on this passage, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a Christian leader in Germany during the Nazi occupation, he, he wrestled with this critical passage and he called, he identified this passage as the cost of discipleship. And he said that this was the very essence of Jesus' message, that we're to deny ourselves, take up the cross, and follow him even into suffering. He put it this way. He said the call to follow Jesus is the call to come and die. You know, when Jesus calls you, he bids you to come and lay down your life because Jesus says if you, find, if you follow me, you'll find your true self. It involves taking up your cross. You know, for us, the word cross means all kinds of spiritual stuff. 
right? We, we sometimes get a good feeling when we think of the cross and what Jesus did for us. But when Jesus said cross to his first followers, they were thinking the worst possible kind of execution. And Jesus said, you want to find your true self? Climb the stairs to the gallows. You want to find your true self? Walk out in front of the firing squad. You want to find your true self? Become a dead man walking. That's how you do it. When Jesus calls us, he bids us come and die. And what does that mean? Well, it means denying our false self. It means living into uh, what, not what I am or uh, that I am what I have or that I am what I do or that I am what others think, but, but embracing your weakness, taking up your cross, living for an audience of one and embracing your invitation to follow Jesus in ways and his ways, no matter how much that goes against the grain of this world and causes suffering. That's, that's the journey that we enter into this time of year, this, this journey of Lent. It's not about denying frivolous things. That's not what it's about. It's about denying our false self and living into your true identity, discovering it in a relationship with Jesus. Well, let's, let's stand together and pray to that end. Lord, your, your teachings are not easy. I mean, we hear your call, your bid to come and die so that we might live. Lord, you ask for everything, and yet you give us even more in return. And by the power of your Spirit, we pray that you would draw us close to you. Help us see and experience the, the truth of your call, that by denying ourselves, by taking up the cross, and by following you, that, that ultimately we'll find our true self, the people that you created us to be. Lord, thank you for laying down your life on the cross so that we might live and we pray that you would give us the courage right now to lay down the lives that we've always thought we had in order to live the lives that only you can give. We pray it all in the name of Jesus.